proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard's Star Talk report highlights time standards for the international space agencies. Time on Earth is not the same as time on the moon, Keith explains. Community member Larry Rieger shines an inspirational light with information on solar energy for residential and community applications. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. In the small town of Cleveland, Texas, police say they have a suspect surrounded after a mass shooting last night. NPR's Amy Held reports five people were killed, including a child, and three people were injured. It began with a man firing his AR-style weapon into his front yard 40 miles north of Houston. It was close to midnight, says San Jacinto County Sheriff Greg Capers. One of the victims came out of the house and said, hey, we have a a small baby that's trying to, to sleep, and the man said, I'll shoot out in my front yard, do what I want to in my own residence. By the time police got there, four people were already shot dead. Several others in critical condition. An eight-year-old boy was flown to the trauma center, but it was too late. He died, too, from the leading cause of death for children in the U.S., firearms. As for the suspect, Capers says he is a 38-year-old Mexican national who fled but has been located and surrounded. Amy Held, NPR News. Court hearings were held this week for all six suspects in the mass shooting in Dadeville, Alabama. It happened at a birthday party two weeks ago. Four people were killed and dozens were injured. Troy Public Radio's Kyle Gassett reports on the final funeral set for later today. Kiki Nicole Smith had plans to become a neonatal nurse and was ready to start her studies at the University of Alabama at Birmingham in the fall. Now, after her death, relatives will gather to remember the high school senior who played volleyball and managed the track team at Dadeville High School. Smith and three other victims were killed when gunfire erupted at a Sweet 16 birthday party earlier this month. All six suspects arrested in connection with the shooting have been charged with four counts of reckless murder and were denied bail. Police say nearly 90 shell casings were gathered at the scene and that 60 people were at the party when the shooting began. For NPR News, I'm Kyle Gassett in Troy, Alabama. An estimated 2,000 people have arrived in the Saudi coastal city of Jeddah after being evacuated amid chaotic scenes from Port Sudan. The BBC's Lise Doucette reports people from more than 70 countries are now reported to have reached the city. Saudi Arabia does not want people to stay long. They're welcoming them. They're paying for accommodation for a few nights, we understand. And then it is up to host countries to either pay for their accommodation, put them on either normal commercial flights or on special charters to leave. But it is playing an absolutely key role in this evacuation from Port Sudan. Port Sudan is about a 12-hour crossing from where we are now. That's one of the main routes for people fleeing. And they're, they're in their thousands and thousands trying to flee the fighting, especially as the end of this imperfect 
ceasefire nears. The BBC's Lise Doucette reporting. This is NPR News from Washington. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, community member Larry Rieger shines a light of inspiration and information on solar energy for residential and community applications. I spoke with him by phone earlier this year in response to community interest on this subject. But first, here's Keith Hubbard with this week's Star Talk report. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. Country. I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. Rather than talk about the stars in our night sky this week, I'm going to talk about the one star we can see in our day sky. Our sun has been used for thousands of years to tell time. The sundial is the oldest known device used for keeping time. The earliest known sundial still preserved dates from the 8th century BC. A sundial tells time by the shadow of an object cast by the sun. The length of day, as told by successive returns of the sun at midday, is slightly less than 24 hours. This means that time, as told by a sundial, will be slightly off the time, as told by a clock. But four times a year, the time, as told by a sundial and a clock, will agree, and one of those days will be today or tomorrow. When the sun reaches its highest point in the sky at that time, a sundial will renew and a clock will read 1 p.m. because we are now on daylight saving time after springing forward one hour last month. Afterward, noon by a sundial will come slightly earlier than noon by a clock every day until mid-May, when noon by a sundial will come four minutes earlier than noon by a clock. The other three instances when time by a sundial and by a clock will agree are on or near June 15th, September 1st, and December 25th. Enjoy this unique day when time by a sundial and time by a clock agree. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. For WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr speaking online with Larry Rieger. He's the Director of Sustainability and Professor at SUNY Sullivan, who teaches green building and renewable energy courses. Um, There's been some recent chatter about solar energy installation in our community here in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. I think it might have been spurred by Congress passing the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, which includes incentives for investing in renewable energy. 
Uh, in addition to that, many homeowners have a goal to reduce the use of fossil fuels. I thought that Larry would be a good source of information on this subject. Uh, Larry, please introduce yourself and give us a bit about your background. Hi, Rosie. Thanks for having me on. I'm Larry Rieger. I work at SUNY Southern Community College, and I'm the Director of Sustainability and Professor of Green Building Technology. Currently, I'm working at SUNY Sullivan, and I have several hats from sustainability to uh, teaching uh, green building courses. Prior to working at SUNY Sullivan, I was actually climbing um, utility-scale wind turbines, those 225-foot tall wind turbines in Waymark, Pennsylvania. After I joined forces with the college, I was trained by the U.S. Department of Energy, and I'm recognized as a solar trainer in the Solar Training Network, and I'm also a Building Performance Institute building analyst. And I try to share all that knowledge with my students and with uh, community members just like you. So you're aware of this Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Do you think it has inspired folks in our community to start adding solar energy to their homes? I think it definitely has them thinking about it and considering it, but they don't really know where to start. And some of the things I'd like to share with you today are, you know, how money from that Reduction Act can really help homeowners create a system that's affordable to them and actually makes their home um, more energy efficient and comfortable. How would you like to begin? I'd like to maybe just start at the beginning. If a a resident of New York, Sullivan County, or, or beyond is thinking about going and adopting solar, if a resident is thinking about going with solar, you want to really just start with some really, really basic things. How does the average person, the average family, end up with a solar system on their home, maybe their first home or their second home? You know, how much are you paying for electric currently? Most homeowners, I've found, do not actually understand their electric bill. And so educate yourself is really where you start with uh, as far as going with a, a new solar system or considering a solar system. And so learning to read your electric bill. And there's a lot of talk about how much are you paying for your electricity as far as generation goes and picking a generator that, that might supply your electricity. Um, currently, most of you or all of you that are connected to the grid have what's called a generation, a transmission, and a distribution charge. And you have to put all three of those charges together to figure out what you're paying for electric. And most homeowners in the state of New York uh, are are paying between, probably between 17 cents and 25 cents per kilowatt hour. And so everything I'm talking about today is more really talking about per kilowatt hour or watts, and I'm not really talking about dollars and cents. Um, Ultimately, we do care about that, but for this talk, um, when you're talking about solar energy, you're talking about um, what are you paying for electricity and is this something you can afford to do as you, as you transition towards a, an array? When you start, you figure out how much electricity you're actually using per year, over the entire year, and you also learn how much you're paying for that electricity. But then the very next thing you've got to start thinking about is, you know, as far as educating yourself, is do you want a grid-tied solar system, a solar electric system? Do you want a grid-tied with battery backup or an off-grid system? And so... A grid-tied system is what most all homeowners go with. It's the most affordable, lasts the longest, and requires the least maintenance. So grid-tied means you're connected to the grid, and it just happens naturally, and you don't really have to do anything to get your electricity. You create power during the day. If no one's home, that power goes out into the community. And at night, you kind of 
get the electric back in. You don't have no, there's no batteries in a grid-tied system. The second type of system is called a grid-tied with battery backup, and some families might want a little bit of backup. Maybe they're concerned about the lights going out or power going out. That's called a grid-tied with battery backup. That is a more expensive system, and that's compared to maybe a home that's grid-tied with a generator. Maybe it's a gas generator or propane generator. That would be a similar type system. And the last type of solar electric system is off-grid. And so oftentimes people say, oh, I want to go solar, and they're thinking about going off-grid. That's the most expensive type of solar system. That means you have PV modules, which are also sometimes referred to as solar panels, on your roof or in your yard, and you have batteries. And those batteries can be quite costly. And so educating yourself, understanding if you are looking for a grid-tied, grid-tied with battery backup or off-grid, it's really where you start. That's very understandable. And I guess you have to factor in also the increase in electrical cost right now. There's a lot of awareness that the power prices are going up. How do you figure out what system? What's the best way to come to that conclusion? Great question, Rosie. And so you've led right into my very, really next thing I'd like to share with your audience. The number one thing you should do after you have some idea of what kind of system you want and you've already looked at your electric bill is figure out how you can reduce your energy usage. You don't want to install a, a renewable energy system Maybe your system might cost $30,000, but if you could reduce your energy cost or your energy use, it will reduce the cost of the system. Uh, And so instead of installing a $30,000 system, maybe you only need a $20,000 system if you can do some energy efficiency type things. An example would be heating and cooling your home. That's one of the most expensive things that you have in a residential home. It uses the most kilowatt hours in your home. It's typically cooling your home, heating your home. And, and so looking for ways to conserve that heat, conserve that cool air, that might be what's called air sealing or include, you know, increasing your insulation. It could be uh, inviting a professional in like myself that does like building an analyst and maybe doing blower door testing and finding out where the leaks are, sealing up those leaks. Sometimes these things can be done for under $1,000. And you could say, you know, multiple thousands of dollars on your system when you go to design it. So that's the starting point, is reducing your energy use before you design your solar system. But once you've done those, those energy efficiency opportunities, the next thing you do is, again, back to that, that thing of educate yourself. Just step outside, look at your home, try to figure out which way is south. Look and see if you have access to the sun. The sun's going to shine here in New York. The sun's kind of shining from the south. Uh, you could have a roof or a ground-mounted array could, could also be feasible. And you really just are concerned about the sun from 10 a.m. to maybe, say, 3 p.m., 3 or 4 p.m. You really don't care about the sun hitting that roof at 9 in the morning. You don't care about it at 6 in the afternoon. You want it to be facing south. And, you know, how much room do you really have? And is shading an issue? Are there trees in the way? Can you actually install a system on your property or on your roof? Speaking of your roof, what age is your roof? If your roof is 25 years old and it has a a shingle that's warrantied for 30 years, you definitely might want to consider replacing that roof before you put a solar system on top of a roof that's already outdated. You wouldn't want to have to put the system on, 
take the system off, replace the roof, and put the system back on. So knowing the age of your roof is really important. And the next thing that you might want to consider is, you know, what funds do you have available to put towards the project? And so it, it all comes down to, for, you know, I'm a homeowner, you know, what, what funds do I actually have? And so you start thinking about, am I going to own the system? Am I going to lease the system? Or am I going to consider maybe getting in with a community solar project? And that's probably something I also want to talk about. So those are your, kind of your options. Are you going to buy, lease, or maybe buy into or get in with a community solar project, Rosie? What you've just said, suggestions, are they things that people need uh, to research how to go about it? I mean, there's a lot of information online, and a lot of it maybe is not so accurate. What do you recommend either maybe nonprofit volunteer organizations that people can look at and say, how do I go about assessing all the things I need to know? Great question, Rosie, and I'm glad I can help with that. And so we're going to use a little common sense. I'm going to give you some tips, and it's going to, you're going to see a clear path to getting it done without a lot of headache. And so in New York, we have this wonderful resource. It's called NYSERDA, which is N-Y-S-E-R-D-A, NYSERDA, the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority. If you go to their website, it's called, if you go to NYSERDA and just type in in a search engine NYSUN, click on solar, you're going to be able to do that type of uh, research to just educate yourself in a non-biased way. Another great resource is the New Yorkers for Clean Power. They're, uh, again, a grassroots organization that's spread across the state doing really good work. They have a resources tab, and you click on solar, and you can learn about community solar if you want to, like, watch a video and, and learn from some subject matter experts. So that's a great place to go and get information um, before you get started. But then... The really next thing you do is you start thinking about what are your resources, you know, financial resources. Can I actually uh, afford to do this? How do I know how much this is going to cost, or am I going to lease it, or am I going to, you know, join a community solar? So what I always tell my friends and family and students and, and community members, it's a really simple thing, but you just have to go and do it. If you're thinking about owning solar and you're thinking about putting it on your roof, Go and get three estimates, three estimates from a smaller local solar installation company or I like a mid-sized solar installation company. I prefer the small to mid. I'm not a fan of the large solar installation companies, the ones that might be running national ads. Why is that? I want to work with the person that comes and looks at my home and provides me with an estimate I feel a little more comfortable if they are also the person or the team that's designing my system. And maybe it's the same person that's installing the system, and if I have any problem, it's the same person that's troubleshooting the system. So if I have this relationship with a small business, a local small business, I feel more comfortable going with that type of business. If I go to a mid-sized company, I'd be asking questions like, who's going to design my system? Will I ever see them again? Who's installing the system? The person that comes out and assesses my roof condition, is that the same person that's installing the system? I like to have just two, three, four, five men and women working on my system, not a team. Uh, larger national companies, the salesman or saleswoman is one person. The organization that's doing the quoting is maybe in a completely different state. 
There might be a, a different team that comes and does the installation. They may even have a, a licensed electrician that comes out to finalize the connection. And if you have troubleshooting issues, it's a completely different team. And so that's a really important thing for the community of New York, my, my local Sullivan County community, to understand. Try to go with some someone that's smaller and that has that personal touch. Should people be also be thinking about code rules and regulations the people that you're suggesting uh, would provide information, are they aware of the local uh, township rules and regulations regarding solar installation? Yes, and that's why this can be that simple. Um, by working with a local installer or a regional installer, they understand what the local building codes are and what they can do. They also understand the rebates and incentives. And so when you ask for a, a quote from a local or regional installer, they're going to provide you with an analysis. They're going to do a, a site analysis. They might come in on site uh, in person, uh, or initially they might just do it with software. What you're going to get from them, before you sign a contract, you're going to get an estimate that tells you how many kilowatts of electricity that system can make for the entire year, an estimated, but it's going to be pretty close. They're going to calculate in solar shading. They're going to calculate all the total cost for, for materials, and that's going to be also be broken down into cost dollars per watt. And that's one way of comparing between three different vendors or installers. And so the, the great thing about getting three estimates is you're going to compare those three estimates to see if they're all offering you the same incentives, see if they're noting code issues that might be arrived. And if one contractor brings up something, you want to make sure that you then ask the other two companies that did the estimate, like, hey, I, there's a, a concern with this code that maybe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's my reasoning for strongly suggesting that everyone gets three estimates and all three quotes should look roughly the same. They should all have roughly the same production as far as electricity. They should all have uh, generally the same equipment. And you want to compare warranty to see if they're all offering the same type of warranties. And that's a, a tip, like, again, if there's any type of issues regarding code violations or code issues. Okay. Uh, that's all very understandable. And our listeners span both sides of the river. A good part of our audience is in Pennsylvania. You mentioned several sites to visit. Do you have suggestions for folks who live in Pennsylvania? Yes, I do. And so in Pennsylvania, when you live right across the river, so I personally live in Pennsylvania and work in New York and Sullivan County, and I'm also a volunteer with Seeds.org group, and they're a great resource for going renewable, especially solar. And we have volunteers that will actually come to your home and give you a solar site assessment. So if you just go to Seeds.org, it's a great place that you can go to learn more and meet other volunteers just like myself that can help you better understand what your needs are. Every home, every building is a little bit different. And so on the Pennsylvania side, we don't have the, as many incentives as we do on the New York side. And so we all can benefit from a 30% federal tax credit. So if we have a system that costs $10,000, we can, if we pay taxes, uh, write off 30% of the total cost and apply that to our yearly federal tax. And so a $10,000 system 
you can write off $3,000. On the New York side, it keeps going and it gets better. New York is really pro-renewable uh, energy. On the New York side, you can write off an additional 25% off your state taxes. So right there, anybody living in the state of New York, you can take 55% of the total cost. So if the system costs $10,000, after federal tax and after New York state tax, you only have to come up with 45% of the total cost. Keep in mind, that's subject to every person's different. I always encourage people to talk to their uh, accountants or get an accountant involved to make sure that you qualify. Never just take that for granted. Make sure you understand what that is before you start going down that path. And today, the Inflation Reduction Act, there are many other things that can be combined with uh, those solar incentives. And so today, uh, through the Inflation Reduction Act, the state of New York is working on rebates for covering 50 to 100% of your cost of installing new electric appliances, super efficient heat pumps, super efficient um, water heaters, clothes dryers. Uh, and so by working with a local installer, they may be aware of these other opportunities where you can actually lower your energy cost and get a solar array, uh, maybe through a special solar loan. You're a professor, and you certainly have taught me quite a lot, and I hope our audience benefits from this. Before we close, is there anything else you'd like to add to this conversation? Yeah, I, I, I would. I just have a few last things, closing comments. So when it comes time to really figure out if you can afford that solar array, don't be scared away if you don't have the money to buy it. Like, Maybe you don't want to take a loan out. Maybe you don't have the cash. There are projects out there that are called solar leasing. Guess what? Go get three estimates for that. Go find three companies that will put an array on your roof and give you electricity at a reduced cost. They own the equipment. You just pay a reduced cost. I strongly suggest that you compare and read all the fine print, but the companies are out there, and they will put solar arrays on your roof. There's also what's called power purchase agreements. Companies will put an array in your yard or on your home, and you just buy electric for a fixed rate. Again, read the fine print, make sure you understand everything. And lastly, I live in Pennsylvania. We do not have a strong community solar program, but in the state of New York, there's really good programs around community solar where developers are putting in large arrays, and you can buy into that. And so if you have a shaded home or a shaded property, you literally can buy into a solar community solar project that was maybe out in the open, it gets full sun year-round, and you, you can benefit and still get all the same incentives. You can still get that 55% off your investment and benefit from having renewable energy. I'm Larry Rieger. I teach green building classes at SUNY Sullivan, and I'm a resource to the college and the community. You certainly are a resource to the community. I, I very much appreciate your expertise. Thank you so much for your time and your information. Thank you so much, Larry, for taking the time to speak with us. Thanks, Rosie. It was, it was a wonderful talk with you. Okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. For WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr speaking online with Larry Rieger. He's the Director of Sustainability and Professor at SUNY Sullivan, who teaches green building and renewable energy courses.
hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by a Radio Catskill volunteer, Keith Hubbard. Special thanks goes to our guest, Larry Rieger, the Director of Sustainability and Professor at SUNY Sullivan, who teaches green building and renewable energy courses. Larry is also a volunteer with the Seeds Group, based in Wayne County, Pennsylvania. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Listen on air at 90.5 FM, on your phone or smart speaker, or online at WJFFRadio.org. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org On the next Folk Plus... And the Phil Oaks Award goes to somebody who doesn't just talk the talk, but also walks the walk. Individuals who have gone out of their way to help other people. Ron Alesco and Sonny Oaks will interview two of the three recent recipients of the Phil Oaks Award. Charlie King, founder of the People's Music Network. John Flynn, activist for prison rights. These activists and songwriters on the next Folk Plus. Sunday afternoon at 4. On last week's Wait, Wait, Weird Al Yankovic talked